Last week, we talked about disputable matters, and I gave a quote from St. Augustine, in essentials, unity. On the stuff for salvation and the stuff that, that scripture calls out, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. You gotta have some freedom. Uh, there's different people, different personalities, different stuff, like, like different denominations, there's liberty. In all things, charity that we would be generous with our compassion, our understanding, uh, um, kind of receiving one another, helping one another, carrying one another's burdens. Um, today we continue on in this series as we, om, we begin to land the plane. Paul is landing the plane in this letter to Romans. I'll tell you that next week uh, we will be bringing back something that I, I recorded in June. Uh, on our 20th wedding anniversary, uh, Janet and I went uh, to Rome, Italy. And while we were there, early in the morning, about five in the morning, I got my daughter up uh, and uh, said, come with me. She's like, what? I said, come with me. You're my cameraman today. And uh, she was so excited. And uh, uh, we, we actually filmed the final message of this series uh, in front of the Colosseum and in front of where Paul was later uh, executed in prison. And so I'll be sharing that message uh, from Rome, Italy next Sunday. And so I hope you'll be uh, a part of that. Today, as we wrap up, we are in a three for 30. We get to hear from our campus pastors today, from Groves, from Lufkin, from Nacogdoches. So excited about that. And in Romans 15, as Paul begins to turn the corner and he starts with his salutations, or he starts with his benedictions, uh, this is one of the key scriptures. This is where we're focusing our, 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 our sermon today, is in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Here it is. And it's a prayer that, that Paul has over the Romans. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope, joy, and peace. We sing about it more at Christmas time than any other time, and yet these can be some of the hardest to experience. Today we're gonna unpack what are practical, tangible, applicable ways to engage a God of hope, a God of joy, and a God of peace, and a Holy Spirit that wants to empower all of those things. To kick us off today, I wanna welcome uh, our campus pastor from the Lufkin location. Would you welcome everybody, Pastor Justin. Thank you, Pastor. Um, so I'm gonna jump right in this morning uh, as uh, Pastor unpacked the scripture. Um, there's gonna be three parts that we'll be discussing and I get the privilege and honor of talking about uh, a hope. And one of the things that I wanna discuss this morning is how do you share hope? But before we get to like how do you actually uh, share the hope that we have, um, I wanna go back and just look at the scripture real quick. You know, uh, Romans 15, uh, it may be a scripture that you've heard before. This may be the first time you've ever seen the scripture. I don't know. But the word of God is a living word of God. It means it's alive and well. It's not just words on a paper. 
it's not just a book. It is, it is the very essence of the things that we need and we hope for and that brings us joy and that offers us peace is uh, wrapped up in God's word. And so how do we get what Paul's talking about in this scripture? How do we get it from here to here? How do we get it down inside of us so we... Um, begin to put legs on it per se and, and hands and feet to where it's, it's active and alive in our life. It's not just something that we read because what God wants for everyone in here this morning is, is he wants his word through three mouthpieces. It's not my word. I just had the privilege of being a mouthpiece, a part of a mouthpiece this morning to get God's word from there to hear, and he wants us to leave with it and, and use it and apply it. And in this season, hope is something that uh, a lot of us may think we're not experiencing. I understand what it is to be hopeless. I understand what it is uh, not to have hope in your life. I've had uh, very hopeful seasons. I've had seasons of, uh, of less hope. I've had, uh, I'm in a season right now where there's some things that I'm hoping and trusting God to show up. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. And it's just so, how do we get it from there to here? It's one of the most applicable ways is understanding what we're reading, is just really looking at what does that word mean? And so that's what I uh, start off with is what does hope uh, really mean? And the definition of hope is um, hope is a confident trust with an expectation of fulfillment. It's cherishing God's desire or God's will with an expectation. I love that portion of it. It's cherishing God's desire and will for my life with an expectation. It's saying that we can expect, have an expected heart and live an expected life that God's will and desires are available for us uh, in life. And so uh, as if you're taking notes this morning, uh, we want to look at the first thing of talking about what hope is. And number one, hope is unseen and yet it produces confidence. I would do the rewind noise, the woo-woo, like Pastor Jeremy does. I don't quite have it mastered yet, but um, hope is unseen, yet it produces confidence. What, how can something that I cannot see, that's not tangible in my hands, produce confidence in my life? When, when we're talking about hope, and that's the first thing that we talk about, is how is it unseen? Well, Scripture says in Romans 8, 24, it says, For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? So this is an unseen hope, and it produced confidence. And so I want to show you, uh, Pastor Victor, if you would. You could have thrown it, man. I, I got hands. So, so this is an uh, ordinary football, and um, it's in my hands. It's worth probably ten or twelve dollars. I don't know what a football costs anymore, but. It, it has some value. It represents something in my life. It represents a time when um, I was celebrated as an athlete. That doesn't happen anymore in my life. <laughs> it represents a time where uh, I used to play football with my dad and my brothers and, and, uh, and the neighborhood kids. And uh, it's a wonder I made it out alive because we didn't have rules. It was brutal. Uh, but some of the greatest times in my life were spent uh, in, involved in football, and I have a deep passion for football still today in my life. And so yet, in my hands, it's only worth X amount. But say I take this ball, and um, let's say I put it into the hands of, like, maybe Dax Prescott. Now it's worth a couple interceptions, and it'll cost me $20 million. <laughs> <laughs> That was good. <laughs> 
But say you take this ball and it's, there's two minutes left in the game and, and I have to be able to put this ball in the hand of someone that I have confidence in and, and an overwhelming hope that they can go and score that winning touchdown. Um, so I would put it in the hands of somebody like a Tom Brady or a Patrick Mahomes. And it's because their track record, it's because of their training, it's because of the evidence in their life says, if I'm gonna trust this with someone to go the, to go the length of the field with it and score the winning touchdown or win that Super Bowl or that playoff game, whatever it may be, I'm gonna put it in the hand of someone that I, I can confidently trust. I can't see it, I'm, my trust and my hope is not in the ball. My hope is, is, is in the one of the, the hands in which I put the ball in. That is how hope is unseen yet builds confidence because your, your number two fill in the blank is hope is discovered in God. When we take our life and we take the things in our life that are hopeless, that are hopeful, and we put it into the hand of the author, we put it into the hand of the creator, we put it into the hand of the one designed to bring hope. The reason hope exists is because God created it. But we find our only hope, true hope, in the presence of a relationship with Jesus, and that's a hand that we can trust. A Patrick Mahomes and a Tom Brady have very high odds of doing it, but yet we've seen them fail. We have never seen God fail at anything he's ever done, and we can trust our life in his hand. So we have this hope that is discovered in God. I can't see it, yet it's producing confidence in me. And, and this hope that we are genuinely looking for, again, is found in the, the promises and the guarantees that God has already given us. And so how do I take this hope that I cannot see, all right, but I still feel it believes that it's bringing confidence in my life. How do I discover it in God? Well, one of the greatest ways that I think discovering your hope in God is recognition, is recognizing the hope. And when we recognize the hope that we have in our life, because when we look back, if you're in here today, you have the hope of Jesus Christ in you. And this is how I know, because John 10, 10 guarantees us that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy our life. So if you're here this morning, and if you were to look back on the good and the bad over, over your entire past, I promise it is woven with the presence and the hope and the promise of Jesus, even in your most trying times. And so when we have that, 1 Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, hey, share this hope that I've given you. Because the more I share my hope, the more it makes me recognize what God's really done in my life. And the more I share my hope, it gives and offers hope to other people. I hope that I live my life in a way that it brings people hope. And the more evidence that I vocalize and I express through my story and through, um, uh, uh, through hope, it reminds me of just how much God has never let me down. So this is how we do it. And in fashion, in honor of Pastor Jeremy, I have done an acronym. Is that right? Is that what it's called, an acronym? Okay. The acronym of hope. Acrostic. Acrostic. Sorry. 
Um, so H, number one, is have faith in the hope that is promised through salvation. We can have this, this, the, the faith uh, of the hope that when we make a decision to follow Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, uh, that we have this promise that we belong to Jesus, that he has rescued us from the grave. You can't see the salvation with your hand. And it's not something that you do. It's a gift that we receive, but it's not a gift wrapped in a bow where we can open it, but we have confidence in it. I'm confident without a shadow of a doubt because of who Jesus is that I have salvation with him because of the promise he offers me in his word. Number two, overcome the lie of the enemy that there is no hope. The enemy will isolate your mind. He will isolate you physically. He will isolate you any way he can to try to disprove the hope that God has offered us. And, and when we begin to look at the, the, the overwhelming lie that the enemy has offered us, how do we, um, how do, we do that? One, way, one great way uh, to overcome this lie is to be part of godly community. Um, Thursday night, we had over 250 dream teamers piled into a room. Uh, there was stuffed potatoes and we played bingo and we did all that stuff was great. But you know what I've seen more than anything in there? Connection, conversation, relationship. It was a room full of hope because it was people doing life together because we will not do life alone here. And so that is one of the, one of the greatest ways, it's one of the things that truly uh, brought a hope in a hopeless uh, season of my life is being part of what God is doing through the local body. Number three, pursue the will of God in all areas of your life through obedience. God's gonna do his part, he's already done it. God's work is complete. Everything that we need and everything that we're looking for is there. We don't have to go track it down, it's available to us, but we have a part in it. And that's called obedience. If you're taking notes, write this quote down, hope without obedience, it's just a wish. We wish for a lot of things. And a lot of us are gonna be wishing for a lot of stuff over Christmas. And the hope you're looking for, you're not gonna find underneath your Christmas tree. The hope you're looking for is, you're not gonna find it in your marriage. You're not gonna find it in your job. You're not gonna find it in your bank account. You're not gonna find it in social events that you get to be a part of. The hope that we're looking for is found in this relationship with Jesus, but we have a part in it of walking out and living a life of, of righteousness through Christ. And then number four, engage your God-given potential through your four T's. We talk about our four T's here. Time, talents, treasures, and your testimony. Well, how do I use my, my testimony uh, to, to share hope? When we talked about it earlier, when you begin to look over your life and you share how you are, where you're, how you've gotten to where you are today, God's in that story and it offers hope to someone else who's going through that same situation, them same circumstances. Well, how do I use my, my treasures to offer hope? Do you know how many families, single moms, dads are sitting at home hopeless right now over the holiday season? Because we get to offer an opportunity for someone to experience a little bit of joy. And that little bit of joy may bring them hope to keep them going. So when we give and we're generous, like Pastor Jeremy talks about, throughout this season, we offer hope. And I wanna leave you with this final note, this final statement. It says, in the hope that is produced in you will give hope to others through your faithfulness. Thank you, and if you will, uh, give a round of applause and welcome our Groves Campus Pastor, Pastor Ryan Jones. 
Hey, thank you, Pastor Justin. Hey, many of you don't know me. This is your first time hearing me speak today. My name is Ryan Jones. Um, my wife and I have been married for, let me guess, 13 years, right? I got it right. So, sweetheart, I know you're watching this. I passed the test. Um, we have a 10-year-old son. Hey, and we're excited. We're getting ready to uh, launch Timber Creek Groves here in the new year. Just did a few, feels like, uh, feels like a whirlwind right now. We're excited. And uh, I want to introduce myself. Like I said, my name is Ryan Jones. Uh, in my past, I was a touring rock and roll musician. I was a rock and roll drummer. And, uh, and then uh, here's another part about me. I was in a near fatal car accident back in 2009. I'm gonna touch on both of those parts there. Um, as I was moving from one season to another, traveling as a musician, trying to find hope and joy in my life, and then transitioning into a life-altering situation of a near-fatal car accident. I continue to seek what joy really meant. Romans 15, 13, it talks about joy. Pastor Jeremy unpacked this. Paul writes in Romans, it's, it's a letter to the church in Rome. Filled instructions, direction, guidance, and encouragement. He'd been commissioned by God to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, meaning those who were not Jewish. He desired to help them in their offering be more suitable and more set apart by the Holy Spirit. All over campus, we're gonna say this word on the count of three, ready? We're gonna say the word joy, ready? One, two, three. Joy. All right, now that I got your attention, ready to go. The word joy or rejoice or joyful appears in the Bible over 430 times. Many times we hear the word joy and we get a mental picture, right? Maybe uh, a time in our life where we had a real joyous moment I'll tell you what one of my mental pictures is, is Buddy the Elf. I mean, you've gotta be joyful to be in those tights all day long. So, all of us have things that bring us joy. For some, it's our families. Maybe for you, it's totally something else. There are times that we try to fill our life with things that we think can or will bring us joy. But the truth of the matter is the only person that can bring us joy is God. So if you're taking notes, joy is usually synonymous with happiness. However, joy and happiness are two very separate things. So if you're taking notes, Number one, joy is a choice. You're saying, I don't know how you're saying joy is a choice. Well, the very choice to look at the blessings in our lives and embrace the trials that we may be going through or may have just gone through. Joy is accepting these things that are completely out of your control. 
and that we must make the best of our situation. In 2009, I was in a near fatal car accident. I was on my way to work and I was negotiating a left-hand curve and uh, a bunch of deer ran across the road on me, six o'clock in the morning. And I hit the last deer and it shoved me off the road and I flipped the vehicle five times. They're gonna show a picture up here. That's the vehicle I escaped. I broke my neck, the same bone that Christopher Reeves broke, the guy who plays Superman, who was a quadriplegic. So I broke the same bone, Chris, uh, the C2. I broke my, my left wrist. As a drummer, that, that scares you. Bro uh, punctured my right lung, broke several ribs, collapsed my lung. I didn't know what my future was gonna be. All I knew was I had a road ahead of me. The situation wasn't great. I wasn't sure if I was gonna have a normal life. Like I said, I had a, a road ahead of me. However, I chose to choose joy despite my circumstance because I knew that my God could do anything in the situation. Maybe you can relate to this. Maybe it's a totally different situation you're dealing with right now that's causing you to struggle with joy. When we lean into the wisdom given to us by Paul, we see that God wants to give us joy. I like to look at the word joy like this. And if you're doing the fill in the blanks, I like to look at this as Jesus outweighs our circumstances. He always outweighs the circumstances. The kind of joy I'm talking about is more than just a happy feeling. It's a long lasting emotion that comes from a choice to trust that God will carry out his promises in your life. How do we find joy? Well, David writes in the Psalms, in a moment of danger, his enemies are after him, but he trusted God to deliver him. He writes in Psalm 28, seven, he says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with a song, I praise him. Just like David, we can renew our broken heart and our broken trust in our innermost parts of our life. We can lean confidently into God and shout for joy because of his glory. We can choose to give God an offering of worship and thanksgiving. One of my favorite songs when I was growing up was a song called Why Do Mighty God We Serve. It was a way of me worshiping God in different ways and different circumstances. Number two, we let the joy of the Lord be our strength. When we're weak, he's strong. We go from a moment where we look away from our circumstances and go to a posture of praise and focus on God and his goodness. Because guess what? He'll carry out his promises in your life. Nehemiah 8.10, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Every morning I have to read that scripture. I write little note cards around my house 
and I stick them on my mirrors. It looks real sloppy, but it's okay because it reminds me that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Number three, it's through God's grace that allows me to truly feel the joy of the Lord. I have a question for you today. What are you waiting on God to do that only he can do in your life? Maybe it's a financial situation. Last week, we, my wife and I, we've been married for 13 years. We, had our, we bought our first brand new washer and dryer. And the guy that came and dropped it off, I asked him, I said, hey man, how can I be praying for you? And he broke down in tears. He said, I'm struggling with financial situation. And as I'm hugging him and I'm praying for him, I watched God just lift the burden from him and give him joy. Maybe you got a bad report from the doctor. Maybe you're still struggling to find hope and joy this year. Maybe this year you lost a loved one. I know I did. Whatever it is, one final thought. Remember, no matter what you're going through, is that God wants to give you joy. And because of that, he sent Jesus. Because Jesus outweighs your circumstances. Now let's give it up for Pastor Marco of our Nacogdoches campus. Well, what up, Timber Creek? Good to see you at this 8.30 service. As uh, Pastor Ryan mentioned, my name is Marco Johnson, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving on the awesome dream team at our NAC campus as the campus pastor. So I gotta give a quick shout out. What's up, NAC? I love you, I see you, I miss you. I hope y'all have a great Sunday, and we'll see you next week. Romans 15, 13, it says this. It says, may the God of hope fill you with what? Joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Justin hit on hope, Pastor Ryan hit on joy. What I wanna do today is I want to talk to you about peace. Peace is one of those things where you, um, I think we all know when we don't have it, but we're not quite sure when we do have it. So I just wanna give you a quick definition, if y'all can pull that up, on what peace actually is. Peace is the ability to sustain a centered and calm interior, even in the midst of situations that cause distress and worry. That centered interior, even in the midst of distress and worry. So as we unpack peace this morning, um, it's, in, it's important to really understand peace. We must first understand the opposite of peace. And the opposite of peace is something that we all deal with, we've all experienced. In fact, you probably or maybe experienced this morning whenever you woke up. I know sometimes it happens to me as soon as I open my eyes. The opposite of peace is actually something called worry. It's something we all go through. It's something we all experience. None of us are exempt from worry. Uh, we experience anxieties. We experience different fears about things. And, and let me just, this one's for free, by the way. It's not in your notes. Worry puts us into the future without the grace of God. 
That's ultimately what worry is. It puts us into the future, man, I got this to do, you know, what's gonna happen here? It puts us into the future without the grace of God. You're here today, and there's been worries that you've had throughout your life, but you know what? You're okay. And you're okay because of the grace that God has given you for those worries that you've been through. So what I wanna do today is we unpack peace. I wanna give you, I wanna give you four problems of worry. And then I also wanna give you four benefits of worry. There was actually a study done and there are four benefits, it was shocking to me, but there's four benefits that you receive whenever you habitually worry about something. And I'm gonna share those with you here in just a moment. So first, the four problems of worry are this. Worry can actually cause harm to our bodies. It can suppress our immune system. It can cause short-term memory loss. It can cause long-term actual heart problems. Worry can affect our intimacy with our, our spouse. Worry can affect the closeness in our relationships. It can affect our career paths. It can affect our promotions. But here's what I really want you to understand. Worry ultimately can hinder us from reaching our God-given potential, which is our mission here at Timber Creek Church. Your God-given potential. You're, you're not just a number, you're a person. You're an individual that we have a heart's desire for you to be visible, to be valued. We hope that when you walk through Timber Creek Church, that the, the doors of Timber Creek Church, that you feel loved like never before. That's our hope and that's our desire because ultimately we want to see you reach the full potential that God has for your life. And what can happen is worry can hinder us from reaching our full potential. It can hinder us in taking our next step in our relationship with God. It can hinder us. Worry can hinder us from getting water baptized. It can hinder us from joining a group. It can hinder us from joining a dream team because maybe we get a little bit worried about what are people gonna think? What, what is it actually gonna be if I decide to go to that group? By the way, when you're picking out a group, we're gonna launch groups in February, and when you're picking out a group, man, date the group. You ain't gotta marry the group, show up. You're like, nah, I don't like that one. Try another one, but find somewhere <laughs> that you can connect and grow and be a part of godly community. And as we're going into to 2024, um, you may be here and you're going, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think, I'm starting to make some mental notes about 2024, some things that I wanna see. And, and maybe you're here and you're going, Marco, I, I really, in 2024, I wanna go to church more. Um, by the way, I'm full of rhymes in 2024, go to church more. But anyways, um, in 2024, you may wanna go to church more. And here's what I wanna say when it comes to that, if I can give you just a touch of a nugget, if you wanna make the commitment of going to church more, I encourage you to join a dream team. Join a dream team in some ministry area here on a Sunday morning, because you know what? You're probably gonna go to church more when there's people counting on you to be there. And then all of a sudden you join a dream team and you go, man, what took me so long to do this? And so if you're wanting to join a dream team in January, I think it's January 21st, we're gonna have our next starting point. Be sure to get signed up for that and go through that and hop on to a dream team. So those are the four worries of 
uh, the four problems that worrying calls, what causes, what I wanna do now is I wanna give you four scientifically proven benefits of worrying. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Go ahead and pull that up on the screens for us. The benefits to worry are nothing, nada, zilch, and a big fat zero. There's no benefits to it. In fact, Matthew 6, 25, it says, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you're gonna have enough food or drink, enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? So biblically and scientifically, we see that there's no benefits of worrying, yet what happens? We worry at times, myself included. Some of us, we worry a lot. Some of us, we actually, we really have serious concerns in our life that, man, it, it, they really do and should cause us to worry. And some of us, man, we actually came into church today under the weight of worry. If this is you at Timber Creek Church, at all of our campuses, at all of our locations, we want you to know that there is hope. So what I wanna do, what I wanna do quickly is I wanna give you three ways to worry less and experience more peace in your life. Number one, what we've gotta do is if I wanna worry less and I wanna have more peace, I've gotta identify my worry areas. I've gotta take an inventory. What causes me to worry? And I've gotta identify those areas. This is biblical, Psalms 139. 23 through 24, it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my what? Anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting. So this scripture reminds us that we need to do a heart check. But I don't know about you, it's a whole lot easier for me to go, God, I need you to examine their heart. You know what they did to me, you know what they said to me, you know what worry they're causing me. But what we really need to do if we wanna worry less and experience more peace is we've gotta go, okay, God, search me. Know my anxious thoughts. And Lord, please help me identify them so that I can ultimately lay them at, their, at your feet and give them to you. Number two, if we wanna worry less and experience more peace, remember that worrying is worthless. I love what Jesus says. Matthew 6, 25, and then going on to 27, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you're gonna have enough food or drink, enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Check this out. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in their barns for your heavenly father. What does he do? He feeds them. He feeds them. He's going to take care of you. You will have enough. You may not have exactly what you want, but you will have enough. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Timber Creek Church, you're valuable. You are valuable. You have so much to offer. You have so much to give. I don't care what anybody has ever said to you, told you, did to you. You are valuable and you have a God-given potential that is absolutely amazing. See, worry never robs tomorrow of its sorrow. It only saps today of its joy. And what I wanna do is I wanna give you some quick stats regarding worry, and then we're gonna close it up. 40% of the things that we worry about never happen. 
30% of the things that we worry about are in the past, they can't be changed. 12% of the things that we worry about are health problems that never occur. By the way, don't hop on WebMD. 10% are miscellaneous worries. Did I lock the door? Did I turn off the lights? Did I feed the dogs? I was driving to, to church this morning. I'm going, my inspection sticker's out. I think I'm gonna get pulled over. I'm worrying about this. Only 8% of our worries are something that you should be concerned about. That means when you're worrying about something, there's a 92% chance, a 92% chance that that is not going to happen. And here's what I wanna say. Nine out of the 10 things we worry about never happen. And even if they do happen, they don't happen the way that we thought they were gonna happen. So what does that mean? There's one little thing we should be worrying about. And here's what I wanna tell you. That one thing that you should worry about, God can handle it. He has and he will and he will continue to handle. If you can pull that next slide up on the screen for me. Oh, was that good, Pastor Jeremy? Man, I nailed it, bro, I nailed it. Anyways, um, there's actually one, yeah, there we go, there we go. God has a solution before we ever knew there was a problem. No matter what that one thing is, God's already got a solution. No matter what your team looks like, your business looks like, your schoolwork looks like, you're, you're great, whatever it may be, God has a solution before we ever knew there was a problem. And the third and last thing, if you wanna worry less and experience more peace is this, we've gotta walk in the peace that God provides. That is why it's so important that we stay connected to the Father in heaven, that we stay connected to him so that we can walk in his peace. Philippians 4, six through seven, it says, don't worry about anything, instead pray. Everybody say pray. pray. About everything. So here's what I wanna do as we close up today is I want you to, I wanna encourage you, man, get an index card, write this on your mirror, uh, put it on the dash of your car. When worry hits you, say this to yourself this week. Don't worry, instead pray. Don't worry, worry hit me. No, 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 time out, nope. That bird is not gonna make a nest in my mind. Don't worry, instead pray. Thank you so much. Y'all give it up for Pastor Jeremy as he comes up. Can you thank our campus pastors this morning? So let's go back to the scripture that we started with, we've unpacked today. If we can place it up there, guys. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. By the what? the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the tension. We are addicted to control. We're addicted to power. We think that worry empowers us. We, we think that uh, we've got to pull ourselves up. We feel like we've got to take whatever issue and we've got to carry the ball across the line. So as Pastor Marco mentioned, we're not gonna worry about it, we're gonna pray about it. So what is that issue that right now at all of our locations, the marriage, the hurt, the wound, the question, the sickness, the child, the future, the regret, the past, the mistake. We just offer it to him today. Don't even pray over it, just envision that issue 
We're gonna place it in the hands of Jesus. Before we even pray, we're inviting Jesus to take what we're dealing with and offer it to him. Can you just feel him take that weight off your shoulders in this moment? Jesus, there's some things that are weighing on us, yet your joy outweighs this circumstance. And I am not going to leave these rooms and continue to worry about what you have in your eye and in your understanding and in your scope and in your power. Holy Spirit, will you help us with your power? I wanna control, I wanna guide, I wanna, I wanna control the narrative. I surrender, do what only you can do. May that kind of hope overflow in me. Fill me up first, but may it overflow so that when people get close to me, I don't overflow with criticism. I don't overflow with jealousy. I don't overflow with, with condemnation. I don't overflow with negativity. I don't overflow with worry. I overflow with this confident assurance that I have placed the right things, everything in the right hands of the right one who holds the galaxies in your palm. Receive it today, friends. Pray it, receive it, and then practice this this week. Practice it. I'm handing it over to Jesus today. I'm not gonna worry about it and I'm gonna choose joy. We ask it in your name. And everybody said amen.